Uh, Will you please and open it up to Mark's Gospel. We're going to uh, continue to study faith some more this morning. And as you're making your way to Mark's Gospel, uh, chapter 11, just want to give you a quick report this morning. I uh, am blessed, I'm honored to be able to be on uh, two different national phone calls with pastors from all over the nation uh, with regards to different ministry areas and items. And uh, this week I had opportunity to be on two different national phone calls uh, just listening to what God's doing all over our nation. And just to give you a quick update because it just sort of stirs my heart. You know, there's, there's an underground church in China that's going on right now that's literally exploding at the seams. Millions of people are giving their hearts to the Lord in China uh, on a yearly basis, we're talking millions of people. They have no buildings, they have no facilities, they have nowhere they can call a worship, uh, uh, you know, facility. And so, what they have to do is they have this. The church literally has to move from week to week. You know what? It's hard enough in America getting people to come to a place where it's stable and solid, and 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 you're there. Can you imagine every week having to meet in some different place, some different location? And yet, they're literally exploding at the seams uh, with regards to reaching people and, and church growth. I was listening to a pastor share this week that they were over there actually teaching leadership in the house church movement. And they had several hundred pastors come from all over China, literally hours on trains, buses, planes, some coming over 2,500 kilometers in order to be there, to sit in a room that they were packed into. They literally had to put special sound boards on the walls and the doors so that the sound of what they were doing couldn't creep out of the room lest they be heard and they could all be arrested. And so uh, they met in these rooms sitting for 10 and 12 hours at a time over several days to be trained and to listen to the gospel being preached to them. And I just started to consider that and think about what our brothers and sisters do all over the world on a regular basis for the cause of Christ. Can you imagine sitting 12 hours in a packed room with substandard, whether it be air conditioning or heat, with substandard music, no technology, you're just in there like sardines for 12 hours. And we sort of get a little antsy at 90 minutes, don't we? I mean, it kind of gives you a new perspective on sort of how our hearts are. And how their hearts are. Uh, in Nepal, I was listening to another guy who had just recently come back from Nepal. And he met two blind evangelists who literally scour the countryside, blind, totally blind. All they have is a stick. They traverse mountains, rivers, streams, valleys, the two of them, both of them blind, in order to preach the gospel. And Hundreds and thousands of people are coming to know the Lord through that ministry. Is that not incredible? And and can I just share this with you? I don't know if America will ever get its act together, but we need to pray for people like these all across the globe that are getting the work of the kingdom done. And every time I hear it, there's something again that just light, lights up in me that says, man... There's more you can do. There's more sacrifice you can give. There's, there's more tenacity and diligence for the sake of the gospel. And so uh, let's just 
let's just take those simple reports and let's apply them to our lives. And let's ask ourselves the question, what's so tough in our life? And ask ourselves the question, what's so challenging in our life? And I will assure you, when you see what's going on all around the world, it will put into perspective some things that may be going on in your life. Amen? That's good, though. We all need some perspective. All right, well, we're going to continue our series this morning that I've entitled Rethink. And uh, again, we won't cover it all. You can get past messages through iTunes. If you go to the website and just click the iTunes link, it'll take you to our message board and you can listen to anything you want from times past. But we've been talking about how important it is to get kingdom precept back into our system. Unfortunately, we think too often like the world, we think too often like Americans, and we need to begin to think like the kingdom. And so this whole series was about renewing our mind and beginning to rethink some things in order that we could begin to see kingdom results. Now, this may be interesting to some. I know those of you that have been with me through the years have probably heard all of my stories by now, but you know, when I initially got into the ministry, I didn't start in full gospel or Pentecostal circles. I was in a more traditional denominational setting, and there were just certain pressures and stresses that came to me. Um, I was on the brink of really clinical depression. The year was about 1987, 1988. Uh, while I believed the word to be true, and while that denomination said they adhered to the word of God, to be candid with you, they only adhered to the part that was comfortable to them. When it came to Acts chapter 2, or basically the whole book of Acts, or anything having to do with the Spirit of God, it seemed like it was somehow neglected or overlooked. It was in the book, but we didn't like talking about it. And so it was rarely preached by me or taught by me, but you know, when you have enough pressures and stresses happening in your life, it's amazing what that stress will move you to do. You know, God uses your pain if you'll let him. For some people, they just choose pain their whole life. But if you'll let God use your pain, he'll bring you to a good place where you will find peace and you will find joy and you will find hope and you will find power and you will find the things that you have so desperately longed for and 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 you've got to understand that I was a pastor and I was preaching God's word and and we were doing our best to minister to people and it was a very traditional type setting in 1988 but I'm telling you the stresses the people stresses the financial stresses just just not having any type of biblical understanding on how to even fight the devil effectively was causing all of this this stress to come into my life until finally I admitted up front I would go and turn the lights off in a room and I would sit in a rocking chair and I'd literally rock in a dark room for hours you say I can't imagine you doing that pastor that's what will happen when you aren't moving in the things of the kingdom and the choice is you can be like those lepers and sit there and die or you can begin to say, God, there must be something more to this than I have found. And so we began to pursue, Trace and I began to pursue. She was an encouraging helpmate and caused me to arise and begin to pursue some things that needed to happen. And, and we had always seen folks that had been associated with what 
was called, for lack of a label, full gospel or Pentecostal or charismatic. I just, you know, I hate labels, but that's the best I can tell you by way of describing what was going on at the time. And so we began to pursue and tried to figure out why things seemed at times to be working in these people's lives and why there seemed to be a joy and why there seemed to be hope. And can I just share this with you? That the first folks I ever met in these circles were weird. I'm sorry, I met every weirdo imaginable. And, 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 and you chuckle and you know what I'm talking about. People that just a little odd, just a little different. They love the Lord. But, you know, they were just, they were just, they were just different. And, and to be candid with you, at, at first it alienated me. Because I would say to myself, hey, no, there's no way God could be involved in this, Lord. Have you seen what you got here? And so there were all these people, and I believe God did that on purpose for me. Because, you see, he had to break a mentality in me. He had to break a mindset in me. He had to challenge arrogance. He had to challenge my, my presumption that, that he had to work or be or do in, in a certain way, and somehow he had to check in with me before he could do it. And so... I had at least enough sense to know, well, you know, I may dress a little sharper or maybe function a little sharper or maybe I'm not as odd as they all are, but, I, but, but they're not going to the psychiatrist. And, and I'll just be honest with you, there came a moment in my life that I really got before God and said, Lord, if my faith cannot address these things that I am facing. And all I'm left with, and I was going to see this counselor, and all they wanted to do was medicate. And I was about to the point to say, yeah. But if that's all my faith can do is is medicate me and say there, 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 then I'm not sure you are who you say you are. Now hear me, I'm not against medication, I'm not against counseling, I'm not against any of these things. I think they have their place. But there comes a moment, you you come to a crossroad when you say to yourself, if this is all there is, is that really the end? And it's amazing what that pain will drive you to do. Pain will make you press in and find God, or pain will make you throw in the towel. And it just drove me to keep seeking and searching and even meeting these odd people along the way. And, and I began to learn that, that sometimes we miss the truth because we don't like how it's wrapped. I'm just letting that phrase linger out there. We miss things because we don't like how it's wrapped. If you don't think that's true, do you not? The whole Jewish nation missed a Messiah. Because they didn't like how he was wrapped. He didn't come like they expected. He didn't come like they wanted. I'm here to tell you that right now, some of you probably have summed me up and are thinking to yourself, I don't know that I like him. Well, you know what? I may not be wrapped like you like, but I'm God for you at this very moment. At this very moment. And I can say that without any doubt that the number one issue of our house 
coming to the place where we were pressing into miracles hinged on what I want to share with you today. Tracy could stand up in the middle and wave a hanky just like a good old Pentecostal would do. Say, that's right. Mark chapter 11, are you there? Come on, I'm telling you, I can, not I, what God does in me can change your life this morning. If you'll get past the rapper, and you'll hear God for a moment. I, I, this, you know what, and I'm, I'm really glad that I've come to the place that, that I'm, I'm relaxing. I'm getting old enough now. You know, there comes a time, those of you that are older will identify with this very, very quickly. I'm now getting old enough to where I don't care. You know, you know what I'm talking. Some of you know what I'm talking about. You know, I, I, I just I don't care what people think anymore. I just I'm I'm I'm, I'm to the place now where I want to achieve a purpose, not just something that looks good before others. I'm ready to achieve a purpose, and so I'm really really glad today because people will come and they'll say they'll say, hey, you know, the music's too loud, or you don't sing enough hymns, or you da da da. I don't care. I, I came, this is not true, honey. I came to the decision a few years ago where if I'm going to go to my church, I'm going to like it. I figure the pastor ought to like his church. I mean, that's high on my list. I figure if I don't like it, then why should I live with it? That's why, you know, that's why pastors jump here, there, and everywhere. Until they find the one they like, you know, and then it just happens to work. I've just decided, I like it. I like it. You say, well, I don't know if I like it. Well, I don't care. You say, don't you want to, don't you, don't you want to please me? No. I don't want to please you. I want to get you into kingdom things. And you're here today in this wrapper because God's using it to get something in you. That's legacy. Legacy is this wrapper that no one may initially like, but it's here because God has something he wants to say. I'm getting revelation as I stand right here. Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter, you remember the story, I've been telling you this for several weeks now, Jesus is walking along, he gets hungry, he sees this fig tree from afar off, he thinks he's about ready to get some fruit off the fig tree, the fig tree has no fruit, I don't know if he gets irritated or how it works inside of Jesus, but he curses the fig tree. He says, you'll no longer bear fruit anymore. You're going to basically die. And the disciples heard him say it, watched him do it. It's 24 hours later. They're walking by this same fig tree in verse 20. And it says, and in the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from its roots. So 24 hours later, imagine that. The fig tree had died. Jesus spoke words out of his mouth, and in 24 hours, the very thing he spoke had come to pass. And Peter, remembering, said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. So Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. Now listen carefully. For assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, everybody say the words, says, says, says. Whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says, say it again, says, 
will be done. And he will have whatever he what? Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask, when you be, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. So we have here in these passages, in just one short little passage, three distinct times when Jesus says, if you will speak to that mountain, if you will say those things, you will have what you say. I want to talk this morning on what I've entitled the spiritual ability of the tongue. The spiritual ability of the tongue. Now, I mentioned again last week, I'm going to do this super fast, that Jesus was both 100% God and he was 100% man, right? He was very God, he was very man. That's Orthodox Christianity. Very God, very man. He was not 50-50, he was 100% God and 100% man. The hard part for most of us is, as we begin to study the life of Jesus, is that we're never quite sure as we look at the book and we read about his life, we're never quite sure how his divinity interacts with his humanity. And so what happens oftentimes is we read about Jesus doing something, and what we say to ourselves, even subconsciously probably at times, is we say, well, yeah, that was Jesus. Jesus, sure Jesus could do this stuff because Jesus is Jesus. I mean, he could do these things. And in saying that, what we're saying is, is that his 100% God part was moving when he did over-the-top, miraculous, supernatural things. Listen to me, though. That's what we want to do because it seems reasonable. It seems logical. To think that because it's something really no normal human being can do. But Paul told us in Philippians chapter 2 that when Jesus came to this earth, when he stepped down out of heaven and he came to this earth, it said that he, that who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be such. In other words, he was equal with God. But it says that he took upon the form of a servant. In order that, out of that servanthood or that, that humanity, he could begin to demonstrate to you and me how life in the kingdom was to work. Listen, he could not have been our Savior unless he could fully identify with us. In order for Jesus to be the Lamb slain before the foundation of the world, in order for him to qualify for that job, not only did he have to be fully divine, but he had to be fully human as well because he had to identify with us. He, has to, he had to be able to know what we feel and, and, and know what life feels like and be hit with the same things you and I are hit with. To be stressed out like you and I are stressed out. To, be, to, to have certain feelings that you and I have. He had to be able to identify in all those ways in order to qualify as a high priest in order to be the perfect sacrifice for you or for me. Now, most of us know that because if we went through any Sunday school, we got that somewhere along the way. But as we begin to look at the life of Jesus, you got to understand that as he's walking along and he's doing things, he's demonstrating to his disciples and ultimately to us how it is that life in the kingdom is supposed to work. He's doing things to model to us what it is you and I must do in order to see kingdom results. Now, 
Here's the key. I believe I put it on the screen overhead. Get it down. Kingdom power is released when you speak. If you want to understand how God moves spiritually in your life, if you want to understand how how miracles and power is released, you've got to understand words and you've got to understand the tongue. I know people through the years have criticized all of this. I too, at one time in my life, was pretty critical of this stuff. You know, you've heard all the criticism. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, you're, you're that name it and claim it bunch. You're that blab it and grab it people. Now, have you ever stopped, just stop for a minute, and, and think to yourself, why do people even say things like that? Well, it's because, for most of us, we saw people that were either using this unrighteously, or they were in a wrapper that you had trouble receiving from. Just like me. Perhaps even you tried it once, and it didn't work. Or maybe somebody talked you out of it or or critiqued you out of it. But I want you to stop and think for just a moment biblically how it is that a person gets saved. So before you before you get too radically critiquing over name it and claim it, look what the Bible says about how you and I get saved. In Romans chapter 10, verse 8, listen to this. Romans 10, verse 8, it says, But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth... And in your heart, that is the word of faith which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be what? What? So so I'm just stopping here for just a minute. So you get saved, it says here, by speaking something out of your mouth and believing it in your heart. It says in verse 10, for with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And so your words and your faith are mixed together, and it produced salvation in your life. Now think about that. You made a confession. All you did was say some words. You made a confession. You believed it. And all of a sudden, the Bible says, you're saved. Now think about this for just a minute. If you're going to run around and you're going to have a problem with that confession stuff, and if you just think it's name it and claim it and blab it and grab it, then let me tell you, you are messing with your salvation. I'm just challenging a mentality. You're messing with your salvation because you could not be saved if it weren't for the spiritual ability of your tongue. You can't think your way into heaven. You can't just be sincere with your emotions and get to heaven. You've got to confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. As well as believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead. Can I just share with you why most people struggle with this? It's because for most people, the reason we have trouble with the the positive confession things that, that sometimes get underscored in the bible the reason we have trouble with this is because we don't get 24-hour reinforcement in other words jesus spoke it 24 hours later it happened well sure it works for him but we've never had that type of reinforcement have we you know i have a a dog most of you have heard me tell my pugan stories now my six pound dog has turned into 13 pounds 
I was told he wouldn't get any bigger than about six pounds. You know, he'd only be about yay big. Well, now he's about yay big. And uh, he's still, you know, he's not quite a year old, which means he's kind of looking like an adult, but, you know, he still has, you know, puppy brain. <laughs> which, which means, you know, he just, he hadn't figured it all out yet. So Pugin, in order to train him, we are finding out he only learns things through reinforcement. You know where I'm going. In other words, if he does something good, you either say good boy, pet him, make a big deal out of it, or you give him what? A treat, a snack. It's amazing. He doesn't know much, but he knows the word snack. Because <laughs> he's been reinforced. Every time he, you know, through, the, through his life, he hears snack, and he knows what that means. You know, it means that good stuff out of the bag. He is so hilarious. He will go into the pantry and he's like, he's like a pointer dog. He'll just stare at this snack thing right there. And you look at him, and, and he'll look at you, and then he'll look at the snack. And you'll go, snack? And, you know, and, he goes, and he goes crazy. So the treat is his reinforcement for what he is doing. And, and, and it works. If he does something well and you reinforce it, he begins to do that over and over and over again. A lot of times it works with young children as well, that if, if in order to get them, I'm not comparing kids with dogs, but in some ways, you know, but, but, but you reinforce certain things by doing, you know, discipline or by doing reward systems and it reinforces things even, even in kids that, that they are able to do on a continual basis. Now here's our problem. We have put so much energy and force behind our negative words. In other words, because we're born in the natural and because all of us gravitate because of our sinful nature to a more negative perspective, we, we begin to speak all sorts of negative confessions. We've said for years, some of us for years, it'll never be any different. It'll never change. That situation will never happen. It'll do this. It'll do that. Oh, my God, I'm so sick I'm going to die. And, and everything we do is negative, and we've done this for years, that we're confronted with a positive confession, and we go, all right, I'll try that once. By his stripes, I'm healed. Well, you see, I still feel sick. I still feel terrible. I just And, and, and there's no way we can overcome all the other things we have put in motion by just trying one half-hearted attempt at putting into motion something positive. We are so conditioned to say things negatively that what happens is it begins to put those things into motion and, and, and now we think by saying one positive thing that God is somehow obligated to suspend not only the laws of nature but the laws of the kingdom in order to somehow make it right in our life. Folks, your tongue, hear me now, your tongue and what you say has the ability to destroy you or put you over the top in victory. There is no in-between. Proverbs 18 and 21, it ought to be underlined in everybody's Bible. Proverbs 18 and 21. Guys, flash it if you have it ready for the screen. Death and life. Let's just say this together. Everybody read with me together. Death and and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Death and life is in your mouth. I've oftentimes thought the reason they put death before life in that verse is because we speak more death 
than life. But your tongue has power. Jesus, listen, Jesus spoke death to a fig tree, did he not? And it died. He spoke a word on one occasion, long distance, to a centurion servant. When the centurion said, you don't have to come to my house. All you have to do is but speak the word and my servant will be healed. And Jesus said, I've not seen such faith in all of Israel. And, and he said, go thy way, your servant is healed. He spoke a word and it healed a servant. He spoke to storms and they stopped. Now I know there's some of you right now going, oh, it was Jesus, it was Jesus, it was Jesus. Okay, what do you do with Peter who spoke to a cripple at a temple gate? who was born under the same curse you and I were born under, who is very much human like you and I are human because he could say them, you know, them, them, them words around campfires. He could swear with the best of them. He was a fisherman. He was very, very human. And yet he speaks to a cripple at the temple gate and the cripple who'd been that way for decades stands up and begins to praise God. This is interesting. Ananias and Sapphira come to church one day lying about their offering and he speaks to that and what happens to them? They die. Let me tell you, that would get people tithing in your church right there. I, I can tell you right now, that probably increased the offerings at the church of Jerusalem incredibly at that moment. What are you saying? They're just words? They're just, they're just words? No, they're not just words. They, they had spiritual power. James said your tongue was like a ship's rudder. And that rudder would set the course of your life. Do you understand that right now, and I'm not talking about how you pray, I'm just talking about how you talk. That the way you talk is setting the direction constantly in your life. You're wondering where you are and how you got there, and I'm telling you, in all likelihood, the very things that came out of your mouth set the course. For where you are at this very moment. Now, that may discourage you at this moment, but here's the good news. If you'll get the rudder changed, you can get the direction changed. And the reason we don't see more supernatural things is because we so rarely speak about it. Or speak it into situations and over our lives. Now, I've taught this before. Y'all know that I've taught this stuff before. I've known this for years. But here's the key to kingdom things. It takes diligence and vigilance to keep, to keep kingdom things before you and to keep even your confession on target. There's always plenty in life, is there not, that can happen that gets our focus on the negative rather than on God's promise. See, that's what the enemy's good at. The enemy is so good at, you'll walk out of church today and you'll be jazzed and you'll be buzzed and you'll be going, yeah, man, I need to get my confession right and I need to get it right. And you know what? All the enemy has to do is start throwing things at you. He just has to begin to to just stir up situations and circumstances and just, just keep them at you. Because he knows from most human beings that it won't take but a situation or two to get them turned from what they're hearing from me this morning back into their normal routine of confessing the problem rather than the answer. And that's why you've got to press into the kingdom. Because everything around you is going to look the exact opposite of what you speak out of your mouth. 
And there's going to be a moment that you're going to have these thoughts and even people who will look at you and say that you are denying reality. And I'm telling you, you've got to shut that out and keep speaking what God has said. God's word has to become more real to you than what your eyes see. It has to. It has to. About a year ago, Trace and I and I believe even the staff was there at Bethany World Prayer Center. And we got to listen to Dr. Cho from Seoul, Korea. And Dr. Cho pastors the largest church in the world. And, and that's great that he has the largest church in the world. But the thing that interests me more is, of course, how much they pray. And he wrote a book about the fourth dimension and the power that there is in words. And he stood there and you heard me about a year, a little more than a year ago. Stand up here. And I, and let me say, I'm not doing this to make fun of him. He has my deepest respect. I respect that man. He is a giant in the things of the Spirit. But I just, just, to, just to let you know how, how the rapper, he just stood there. He's this little man, you know, just balder than I am. And he just started talking about words. And he just kept saying things like, people like me. People like me. And so we kind of picked up on that. And so, so for that week, you know, Trace and I and everybody, we just started going around going, people like me. People like me. Now, I know we chuckle, and it, and it is. It's kind of funny and endearing. But you know, we never think about this. Do you realize when David was in the cave and everybody, it seemed, was against him and the king was chasing him, throwing spears at him, he didn't have a good reputation, he didn't have a good report, He's sleeping not even in a, in a halfway house. I mean, he's in a cave. And the Bible says that there were moments that David had to encourage himself in the Lord. You know that phrase is in there. Do you know what that would look like if David was in a cave sitting on a rock? Nobody else likes him. Everything's turned against him. Everybody in the kingdom has heard the bad report from Saul. Everybody's you know, believing what's being said. Poor David's in a cave and he sits there and this is what David has to do. Things like, people like me. Do you understand that? That's what it looks like. People like me. People like me. Favor's coming my direction. This too shall pass. This situation is going to change. God called me to something more than a cave. And he begins to speak these things until God begins to move on David's behalf and the whole scenario changes. Listen, I listened to Dr. Cho share one time when he was sick how he began to confess that by his stripes we are healed. And he says there are times that he just has to go by his stripes we are healed, one. By his stripes we are healed, two. By his stripes we are healed, three. By his stripes we are healed for. And to keep saying it until he says, I've said it a thousand times. And I'm sitting there going, have mercy. People would think you were crazy. Yeah, but people can't heal you. God can. See, we're too worried about what people will think. And they can't get you healed, helped, delivered anyway. Tracy and I decided after that we were going to begin to practice these things vigilantly. There have been moments, just like in anyone's life, you start turning and thinking and, and, and beginning to walk away, but, but one of us would be there at the right moment saying, no, 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 we're going to keep vigilant and we're going to keep diligent in just this area. 
And you know what began to happen in this past year? Things started to change. Say, what did you do different? Tell me what you did. Give me the plan. Give me the program. What did you implement? I changed the way I was talking. That's the program. I changed what was coming out of my mouth. We started speaking things into existence. Trace started speaking about having five she just said, I'm just going to share it. Five outside speaking engagements. Nobody, nobody really, or it's been a long, long time since somebody has asked you to come speak. And we just said, well, we're just going to start speaking it, speaking and speaking. Do you know within a couple weeks of starting that, she's already got three invitations of the five. You say, well, it's just coincidence. All right, you go ahead and live your life that way. Go ahead. No, it's not. It's because things have been put in motion. God's beginning to open these doors up around us with these unusual opportunities. We began to declare favor. We began to do the people like me kind of, you know. And you would be amazed at how all of a sudden things are starting to change around us. Listen, some of you in the room this morning have destinies that include promotions and raises and open doors and opportunities. And you've sat and you've wondered why God isn't moving and He's waiting for the rudder in your life to get set. If you would set your rudder, God could begin to open that door. And a part of the reason is that our minds have not been renewed to believe that could happen. We're more confident in sending out a resume and networking with all of the different peeps we know than we are getting our confession right and working it in the kingdom. In fact, I'd encourage you, why don't you tear up all the resumes you got going and why don't you just trust him and try it? I dare you, try it. Try, try it for just 30 days. If it doesn't work, go send your resume out. But try it. Try it. We have, through our lifetime, like many of you, we have had sporadic moments. And they've been important moments, don't get me wrong. Sporadic moments can still be important moments. When, when because of our circumstances, we were forced, forced back into, you know, getting our confession right and getting kingdom things in order. You know, when, when Kaylin was still in Tracy's womb and, and the doctor said she was dead... And, and we just weren't going to let it go. We were forced into a situation where we either believed God's word or we DNC'd her and, and, and started over again. And so it was one of those great moments that God came through. Miracles took place. When my oldest son had melanoma on his back. There are those moments that you're pressed and you're forced into determining what you're going to believe and what you're going to speak. But there comes a moment, folks, that we've got to break out of the sporadic and get to the every day. We've got to break out of the every now and then and begin to implement it like it's normal in our life. Amen? I mean, I Googled this week. I just got on the computer and I just Googled what I could find on the Internet with regards to, you know, positive confession, confessing God's Word, and all those kind of things in that area. And I can say without embellishment that over 90% of what I found as I Googled it did not encourage it, but indeed critiqued it. Over 90%. So over 90% of what you would hear over the internet is probably going to critique this whole thing. 
I've heard people through the years critique it as saying, well, you know, it's, it could be New Age, it could be mysticism, it could be this. Hey, listen, I know New Age, I know New Agers use the rainbow. So did God when He gave a covenant promise to Noah. I'm not letting the New Agers take my rainbow. Are you following me? Just because there's a counterfeit out there doesn't mean I just suddenly let it go because I'm afraid what it'll look like. I've heard people say, well, you know, there are certain cults and certain Eastern religions that speak in tongues. Well, whoop-de-doo. They're that, they're that closer to the kingdom then. I don't know what to say about that. All I know is I know what that says about that. I'm not getting my marching orders from what others do and cults do and that group does or that. I'm getting my marching orders from what God says to do. When you know some groups, some groups they say mantras over and over and over again and you could really slip into that. Well, I won't. Are you following me? I mean, there comes a moment that we've got to, we've got to break out of what everyone else says. I don't want to be, hey, if you want to be a dead mainline church, there's plenty of them to go to. If you're so convinced that life with God is dead, it is lifeless, there's no power, no supernatural, no Holy Ghost, go find yourself a church because most of them will live up to it. As far as I'm concerned, I'm going for it all. See, that's why I'm, I live on the earth. I'm going for everything. See, if I want, see, I, it's not, whoop-dee-doo, you got thousands, thousands in your seats. So what if you're anemic, give me a couple hundred that will believe God. And we'll change a nation. We're worried about how things get voted on. Let me tell you, I know the one vote that I need to get. If I get that vote, anything happens. I just won. You can get millions voting one direction. All I need is one vote. That's his. So... I googled this thing. I'm getting back to the computer now. I googled this thing. And I know, I mean, you could follow me around and, and you'd find out very quickly I'm not perfect. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not consistent with exact precision. I, I, I'm sure that, that if you look close enough, you could probably find something that I could work on. Just ask Tracy. I'm sure she could give you a list of things that I could probably work on. But, I've, but, but you know what? I've decided this last year particularly that I wouldn't change my life with anybody's. And if you're going to let somebody talk you out of kingdom precept, ask yourself this question. Would you change lives with them? Because I want something that works. The proof is in the fruit. If people who critique all this stuff think they got a better handle on it, my only question would be is this. Is your faith really working or are you just faking it? See, I'm in this for the real deal. I want to see God live and work large in my life. I'm not, I'm not here just to do his public relations and fake everybody out and somehow smile and get them into the kingdom, making them think somehow my life's different than theirs. Let me tell you something, folks. I want the real deal. And so I just want to share just real quick, just a couple quick things about releasing the ability of the tongue. God gave man the ability to speak. Do you realize that? Of all the created things in the earth. Think about this. Of all the created things in the earth, man, human beings, were the only created thing which was given the ability to speak. Have you ever thought about that? 
I mean, I realize dogs can bark. Coyotes can howl. Birds chirp. Fish blow bubbles. Dolphins go. But we're the only ones who have been given language to speak. I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but you know why? It's because we can speak is why he could give us the mandate to exercise dominion. We don't exercise dominion by brute force. We exercise dominion by what we speak. And if we get our confession right, we begin to see dominion exercise in our lives in so much more incredible, impactful ways. So let me give you, I'm going to give you five things real quick that you can immediately implement. You don't have, you don't have to get 50 things to do. Just if you can get these five things. And you would, you would begin to say, I'm not going to do this sporadically. I'm going to do this daily. I'm going to do this. I'm, I'm going to begin to be diligent to do this. And uh, maybe if you're married, you could look at your spouse and say, help me with this. I, I, I'm going to stay on target with this because I want my life to change. Number one, you must learn to confess the written word. Now, confession in the original language is actually the word uh, homologio, which actually means the same thing, the same word. The best way to understand this is just understanding it means agreement. In other words, you're speaking the same thing that God says. You're agreeing with what God says. You must begin to agree with what God says in his word. You must agree what he says about, of course, great doctrines and, 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 and who Jesus is and what he did and, and how he provided salvation. Is that not true? You have to confess that what he did on the cross was applicable to you. And, and so you agree with that. And as you agree with that, the power of salvation comes to transform you. But the problem is it doesn't stop there. We must begin to agree with what it says we can do, who it says we are, and what we've been given as a people. Now, in the book of Deuteronomy, 28 is, is one of the greatest things uh, passages of scripture that you can begin to implement in your life and if you want somewhere to go in his word that you can begin to declare and put in your mouth because it's what he says about you in Deuteronomy 28 of course it says it shall come to pass if you obey the voice of the Lord your God to carefully observe all of his commands that I command you today that the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth listen to this and all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Blessed shall you be in the city, and blessed shall you be in the country. Blessed shall be the fruit of your body, the produce of your ground, and the increase of your herds, the increase of your cattle, the offspring of your flocks. Blessed shall your basket and your kneading bowl. Blessed shall you be when you come in, and blessed shall you be when you go out. The Lord will cause your enemies who rise against you to, to be defeated before your face. They shall come out against you one way, flee before you seven ways. He will command the blessing on you in your storehouse and in all which you set your hand to. And he will bless you in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. The Lord will establish you as a holy people to himself. Just as he sworn to you, verse 10, all the peoples of the earth shall see that you are called by the name of the Lord and they shall be afraid of you. Verse 11, the Lord will grant you plenty of goods and the fruit of your body and the increase of your livestock and in the produce of your ground. Verse 12, he will open to you his good treasure, the heavens. 
to give the rain to your land in its season, to bless all the work of your hand. You shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. And the Lord shall make you the head and not the tail. You shall be above only and not beneath. If you heed the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today, and are careful to observe them, so you shall not turn aside from any of the words which I command you this day to the right or to the left to go after other gods or serve them. And so he gives those parameters of obedience to you. But if you walk in those parameters of obedience, do you believe that God's word is true? Well, good. There's about a quarter of you. Come on now. If you're walking in obedience, is God's word true? Yes. All the promises of God are yes and amen in Jesus Christ. And he has given us the Holy Spirit as a guarantee, a deposit, that what he has said would come to pass. So you need to begin to say out loud. Now, I'm not saying to go around arrogantly and doing this in people's face. Now, you know better than that because not everybody, you know, the natural man doesn't get spiritual things. But I'm talking in your prayer closet, when you're driving in the car by yourself, when you're in the shower, you know, any place you can just go on the head and not the tail. I'm above and not below. I'll lend and not borrow. God, your favor's coming my way. You're going to open doors for businesses and opportunities. The enemy, if he comes against me one way, he's going to scatter in seven ways. You're not just going to bless me to get by, but you're going to bless me over and abundantly so I can begin to give into the kingdom like I really want to give into the kingdom. I mean, my, 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 it talks about livestock and herds. It's just talking about the expansion of, of opportunities with, with your career and your jobs. God, you can move in these things. And I don't have to be everybody's doormat, but I can actually be of influence in kingdom matters wherever you placed me. But you've got to believe that's what God says about you. Obviously, you have to be obedient in these things, but, but you've got to begin to agree with what God has said. If Jesus said, greater works than these shall you do because I go to the Father, then you know what that means? That means that when I lay hands on the sick, they shall recover. That means when I begin to intercede for people and their needs, those needs will get met. That means that I lack in no good thing. That my bills are going to be paid. That God's going to take care of my latter years. That I'm going to be able to walk and see the favor of my God. That He's not going to let me hang out to dry. But God's going to come through. And until the day I die, He will magnify Himself in my life. Because it says so. But you got to agree with that. If you don't agree with it, it isn't going to happen. So you got to confess the written word. Secondly, any one of these could be a whole message. i got to just hurry. We got to call those things that are not as though they were. Romans 4:17 it's the story of Abraham and Sarah when they were given the word by the Lord himself that they were going to have a son. And they were old old people. Bodies were dead, they dried up, no chance for kids. And it said that Abraham had to call those things that be not as though they were. He had to begin to speak what he couldn't see in the natural as if it were. He had to begin to speak life into his wife's womb. He had to begin to speak. Long before Isaac showed up in the womb, Abraham had to speak Isaac into existence with his word. 
You've got to begin to call those things that be not as though they were. It doesn't say ignore those things that are as if they weren't. It doesn't say that. A lot of people think that's what that means. It doesn't say that. I've had people say that we're sick. You know, they've got the flu and they're sick. And they're going, I'm not sick, I'm not sick, <laughs> I'm not sick, <laughs> I'm not sick, I'm not sick. No, no, that's not what that word says. It doesn't say, you know, ignoring those things that are as if they weren't. Okay, you're sick. You don't feel good. But somewhere you've got to rise up and begin to say, what's not healing? So I call those things that are not as though they were. So I begin to declare, by his stripes I am healed. I begin to declare life to this body, strength to this body. You say, well, I said it once and nothing happened. Come on. You've got to get tenacious in this thing. You've got to develop your confession. You've got to begin to walk in this. There's no authority that's behind you yet. You've got to be... Let me tell you, all of spiritual creation understands whether you believe it or not. It says that you must confess with your mouth what it is you believed in your heart. And if you don't believe it in your heart, then your confession is of no use or no good. So, so I call what is not healing as though it were. I, I like to use this illustration. <clears throat> if I were to release my dog and, and let my dog go run out and just be off the leash and go anywhere he wants, and the time comes for me to bring the dog back into the house, and uh, I stepped out on my porch and, and there was no dog that was there. Think about this. And, 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 and I just look and say, well, there's no dog here, so I guess it must be God's will that the dog isn't going to come back. It's just God's sovereign will that I'm dogless. I want you to think about this for just a minute. That probably isn't what we're going to do. What you and I will do is we will begin to do what? Whistle, right? Call its name. Can I ask, if you were to call your dog's name, would you think that to be weird? Why? Because you believe, right, that it's out there somewhere. Might be tearing up your neighbor's lawn. Might be getting into trash down the street. But you believe that that dog's out there somewhere. In fact, if that dog means enough to you, you'll get in your car, you'll go drive trying to find that dog, roll your window down, and holler out the window, Fluffy, Muffy, Puffy. You'll holler and holler and holler. What are you doing? You're calling those things that be not, right? As though they were. And yet at the same time, when it comes to spiritual things, we think that's strange. Or we think that's weird. We've got more faith in our dog coming to us than we do that God who spoke in His immutable word that He wants to heal His people. That He wants to deliver His people. That he wants to bless his people. If you're struggling with something that you can't get through, then you need to set your confession. I call freedom in my life in the name of Jesus. I am free, I am free, I am free. By his stripes I'm healed. It was for freedom that he has brought me uh, uh, this freedom. I, are you following me? All right. Calling those things that be not as though they were. Number three, you've got to conceive as you speak. Speaking words will eventually change your thoughts. It'll change your heart. And the more you speak the thing, the more it will gain assurance in your heart. I, I can assure you, if you just keep saying and speaking, you'll begin to find a conception that'll take place in your heart. 
I believe it. I believe, I believe that my financial situation is changing. Lord, you promised in your word that the righteous would never be lacking, nor would they be begging for bread. I believe that. I believe, Lord, that you're granting me favor in the workplace. I believe that. I believe you're wanting to distinguish yourself in my life. I believe it. And as that begins to come out of your mouth, you'll begin to conceive that in your heart until it becomes, it becomes just a fact. You can't see it. Nobody else can see it. You'll have people making fun of you because of it. But you'll know in your heart it's so. It's absolutely so. Number four, you've got to continually declare the promise you've been given. I've had people say, well, Pastor, I tried all this once and it didn't work. Then try it again. And do it again. Do it three times, four times. Be diligent and faithful in this thing. Come on, quit letting one failure knock you out. Come on, you're, you're, you're a child of God. Don't, don't be, don't be, I'm trying to think of an appropriate word. Don't be a pansy. I guess I can get away with that one. Come on, don't let it keep you from pressing through. You are, you are pressing through decades of poor confession. You are pressing through word curses from your friends and family. Paul said to us that this, this, this walk of faith would be the fight. He says, fight the good fight of faith. Refuse to be stopped. Be like Abraham who had to speak his promise concerning Isaac for decades. And then lastly, number five, cleanse your mouth. And if you'll do these simple things, you'll begin to see change. Cleanse your mouth. In Isaiah chapter 6, verse 5, it says here that Isaiah the prophet was in the house of the Lord. And he got a vision of the presence of God. And out of that presence, it says this. It says that he declares, woe is me, for I'm undone. Why is he undone? Because, he says, I'm a man of unclean lips. I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. My eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a live coal, which he had taken with the tongs from the altar. And it says that he touched my mouth. Isn't that interesting? That the seraphim didn't touch his heart. Seraphim didn't touch his brain or his head. The Bible says that the seraphim took the coal and touched his mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips, your iniquity is taken away, and your sin is purged. Isaiah, and he's been prophesying. This is what the amazing thing is. He's been prophesying for five chapters. But he gets before the Lord and he suddenly realizes that unless he gets the lip thing taken care of, there's nothing else that's going to fall right in place. And you know, I read that and it finally dawned on me one time that our lack of faith, listen to me very carefully because this will really help you, your lack of faith, especially as it comes out of your speech, is sin before the Lord. Now that's kind of weighty, isn't it? In other words, if we're walking around confessing everything the enemy's doing, if we're always speaking what's, what's, what's negative and, and what's opposite of the word, if we're always speaking what God can't do and where is God, can I, can I just share? That's sin. We're sinning with our mouth. And we need to repent from it and get cleansed from it so we can begin to use this powerful spiritual tool called our tongue 
in order to begin to see kingdom miracles and power and supernatural activity begin to take place. I'm going to tell you this story and I'm done. This week I was uh, going through my email and I received an email from somebody and and whoever sent it to me, I'm sorry, I forgot who it was, but you'll know who you are and I give you full credit for sending it to me. But I was emailed this video, and this video was from YouTube, and I guess you could go to YouTube to find it, but it was this young man, a young gentleman who was born with no arms and no legs. When he was born, all he had, he was, he was a normal human being, but all he was born with was basically a torso. There was nothing beyond right below his hips. There were no arms, and he was just a torso. And in this video, it showed his life, it showed him growing up all through life from the moment he was a baby, as he went through the teenage years, until now it looked to be like he was in his mid-twenties perhaps. And at first it was very difficult to watch this video because here was a man that all he had was his torso. Imagine, just your torso, no arms, no legs, just, just cut right below your hips. But the story was about how he had overcome all of these particular adversities. I mean, the Bible says here that if you'll say to this mountain, be thou removed, it shall be removed. I don't know about you, but I would say no arms and no legs constitute a fairly significant mountain. And the, uh, and the video showed us how he, all through his life, would do things. He was riding on a skateboard. He was surfing in the ocean. I mean, there were just some incredible things that he was doing, but the end of the the video actually showed him talking to different groups of kids in schools all over America. And he goes and he talks to them about overcoming adversity. And in the middle of this talk, he intentionally, he's kind of on this table, he intentionally falls forward on his face. And he's got a little microphone on his head, much like the one I've got on mine. And he's laying there, and, and you, you can feel it as you watch it. In fact, when I first started watching it, it was just very, very difficult to even force myself to watch it because he was just so odd, and it was just so different. And, and, and there was a part that was almost alienating and repulsive about it. And you could see in these, these kids as they would come into these rooms that at first it was uncomfortable, but then, but then they, they would give him their rapt attention. And when he fell, and, and he was laying flat, And his head turned to the side. He began to ask them the question, how am I going to get up? I have no legs, I have no arms. How am I going to get up? And he started looking at these kids and he's saying, you know, if if I just gave up, if I just decided what couldn't be done, then I would be laying here the rest of my life. But I had to begin to believe that, that with man, things are impossible. But with God, all things are possible. I had to begin to believe that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And people told me, as he's talking to the kids, people told me all through my growing up years that it could never happen, that if I ever fell down, I could never ever get up again by myself. And he said, I had to keep saying over and over again, with God, all things are possible. With God, all things are possible. With God, all things are possible. He said, it took me 
hundreds and hundreds of times for me to begin to do this. And you watched on this, this video him begin to twist his head and move around and, and begin to just make a quick little shift in his torso until finally he was able to do a little, a little hop and, and he finally got himself upright. And then they focused on all the kids and there wasn't a dry eye. I'm kind of getting broke up because I can imagine that video right now as I'm sitting there watching it. There were, there were tears coming down my eyes too. And he looked at him and he said, what, tell me again what mountain in your life you're, you're not able to move. And as I sat down and watched it, and I, I'd really already prepared for all of this this morning, it suddenly dawned on me that what he had to do, did he have to exert a little energy? Oh, I'm sure quite a bit of energy. Did it take a little finesse? Oh, I'm quite sure it took a little finesse. But there was no doctor and there was no therapist. And there was no one to help him through this except by his own confession and unwillingness to give up until that mountain moved. Now so far as I know, everybody in the room this morning has their legs and has their arms. Tell me again what mountain is there in your life that you don't think can move? If you don't begin to say with man it may be impossible but with God... All things are possible. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Folks, it's not about what you've got at your disposal. It's about what comes out of your mouth. And if you'll begin to get this rudder right, you'll begin to set the direction you always hoped your life would take. If you'll begin to to speak what it is that God is saying and what it is that He is doing and what He has promised He would do in His book, if you will get that in your mouth and you will be relentless in that thing, you'll begin to see the rudder of your life shift and begin to point you in the direction that you've always wanted it to go. You can say, eh, I don't buy it. Then you go live your life. But for me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. My house, listen to me, for me and my house, we're just not going to serve the Lord, but we're going to be in the ministry of the Lord. Do you understand that? I've had people come and say to me, how does that work with your household and all your kids participating in the ministry? Let me, we haven't always done it right, but we've been pretty good at just setting the direction. Setting it, setting it, setting it, setting it. Even when they weren't doing all that well, setting it, setting it, setting it, setting it. How about you? You can do it. Yes, you can. Today's your day. You can get a clean slate. All you have to do is arise, have faith in God, believe in your heart, and then begin to speak to that mountain and watch it begin to move. Come on, rethink. Rethink. Will you stand with me? Holy Spirit, you're in this place right now. You're in this place right now, Holy Spirit. And right now you're just working on your people and talking to your people. And you're just causing them, Lord, to be renewed in their mind concerning what it is that's coming out of their mouth. I pray right now in the name of Jesus, Lord, that you would cause a depth of renewal to begin to take place that would radically alter people's confessions. 
Lord, I break, I break the depth of negativity and, and experience. I break the, the power that that has in people's lives right now. Be broken in Jesus' name. I break that pattern of thought that says, well, that's well and good, but it will never happen to me. I break that in Jesus' name. The Bible says God is no respecter of persons. What needs to come into your mouth is this. Is that, Lord, if you'll do it for pastor, you'll do it for me. If you'll do it for John Doe over here, you'll do it for me. Because your word says that you're no respecter of persons, that means I qualify. Hallelujah. That's me, that's me, that's me. I receive it in Jesus' name. See, you got to rethink. For some of you this morning, you need a coal off the altar right now. In fact, I tell you what let's do before we go any further. And and I realize this is a pretty transparent moment. And I know I've met people before who, who publicly or in a public setting will be the perfect of Christian examples. But to be candid with you, after the two hours is over on Sunday morning, everything shifts back to the natural sort of human normal way confession goes and you would be willing enough to admit by saying you know what I need a coal off the altar to cleanse my lips this morning I need a coal off the altar to cleanse it in the name of Jesus if you need a coal off the altar just be honest enough to say Lord today's my day I'm going to let you purge my lips today and we've got we've got the crosses here And we have an altar. And if if you're needing some purging to take place, who amongst us doesn't? Hey, the prophet had to be purged. I tell you, I had to be purged. I had to be purged. It's not just nasty talk. I mean, it's just just negative. Woe is me. Doom and gloom and agony on me. Deep, dark depression. Excessive misery. If it weren't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. You know the song. The reason we used to laugh at it is because it struck a chord so close to us. Come on, let the, let, the, let the coal off the altar begin to purge you this morning. Purge. Purge my lips, oh God. Come on, I want you to cry out right now. You've got to want this. Don't wait for me to pray for you. Come on, cry out and say, Lord, purge me. Purge my lips. Bring a coal off the altars right now. Let an angel bring it to me and purge my lips. For I am a man or I am a woman of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of a people, Lord, at times of unclean lips. I don't want to be like them. I don't want to be like everyone else. Lord, I want my confession to be straight and on target. I want it to be full of faith. I want to see you do great things in my life. I want the direction of my life to change. Lord, I want the rudder. I want the rudder to be changed in my life right now. I repent from words, from mentality. Come on, you may not like the rapper, but I'm talking truth right now. Come on, don't you walk away and just say, well, I don't know. Come on, God, if God's talking to you, this is your moment. Purge my lips. Purge my lips. Hey, if we could get this as a body... Nothing could stop this local church. If we could somehow somehow get this as a body, it would be incredible. Lord, work it in us as a people. 
right now in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Come on, let the Lord work in you just for a minute or two here. Tell the Lord yourself, I'm sorry, Lord, my confession hasn't been right. It hasn't been where it needed to be. Come on, don't, you don't have to be embarrassed by it. Just be human about it. You're just say, Lord, I, I've, I've slipped back into my old natural human ways. And I'm tired of living this existence. I'm ready for kingdom existence.
what needs to come out of your own heart. And, th- and this will be something you may need to continually take to the Lord over and over and over again. But I'm going to help you just together. I'm going I'm to just give you an example to model. So I want everyone to say this in Jesus' name. I take authority over my tongue. My tongue shall no longer be connected to my emotion or even my reason. But it shall be connected to my inner man. The place where God dwells. From my lips I shall declare the greatness of my God I believe that my rudder of my life is being set in a new direction I have been given keys my tongue being one to set a direction through the power of God's word I'm making a commitment before the throne of God to set my rudder to every good thing God says I have I am who he says I am I can do what he says I can do I receive what he says I need I shall not be moved I shall stand and see the hand of my God work in my life. Today is the dawn of a new day. I speak it. I say it. And it shall come to pass. And now I arise and look at my mountain. I I look at my mountain and I say, Who are you, O great mountain? Come on, look at it and say, Who are you, O great mountain? For I declare to you, to be moved, to be moved, and to be cast into the sea. It's changing. Even now, mountains are moving. In Jesus' mighty name. Come on now, shout like you believe it. 